is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening and welcome. So glad you've tuned into my show. I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to the show and to tonight's First Five. There are many people in this country on the meet especially in the media the left-wing media mob the democrat party who think that the fact that at the end of this past week when lieutenant general michael flynn agreed to plead guilty to having lied to the fbi that this is the final this is the time we've finally gotten to it we've finally gotten to a place where now we're going to show that the complete corruption of the trump victory and the trump collusion with russia is all going to be exposed and i my first five tonight is to pierce that bubble and uh, give a reality check to all of you and if you are a supporter of donald trump and kind of aware that this Mueller investigation is out of control i'm going to give you a lot of ammunition and how to talk about that but first let's be clear lieutenant general michael flynn was in the trump administration as a national security advisor and the and the you know he pled guilty and the assumption is that he is going to be cooperating with Mueller and this uh, ongoing investigation President Trump and perhaps lead them to something that will get President Trump in trouble. Let me tell you first what the lies to the FBI were. Okay, very is four lies. One was he told the, an FBI agent that he did not ask this Russian ambassador. Victor Kislyak, um, Kislyak, uh, that they had a conversation, but that when uh, Flynn, uh, number one lie, he told the FBI he did not ask that ambassador to refrain from escalating the situation in response to sanctions that the Obama administration had just imposed. Number two, he didn't recall that the ambassador subsequently told him that the Russians had moderated their response based on Flynn's request. Number three, Flynn said that he did not ask the Russian ambassador to delay or defeat a pending U.N. Security Council resolution. And again, this is an Obama-era administration. Obama's still president, even though Trump's been elected. And so it was a, a, a Obama resolution to condemn um, Israel in the Security uh, United States um, United Nations Security Council. And the fourth lie was that this ambassador never subsequently described his country's response to that request. I'm sorry, it wasn't Israel; it was a Russia thing. But the point of all this: these are the reason that these even are, you know, and the on the horizon. The even reason that anyone even knows about all this is because what had been happening prior to that was that the Obama administration had been, had received a FISA warrant and was surveilling all sorts of people in America who are, of Russians, you know, foreign agents, and they were surveilling this particular Russian ambassador. And so they'd picked up all these conversations. And so then, and in the conversations, the exchange was basically about what I just told you. And so when Flynn was asked about it and, and his uh, FBI questioning, um, he did not tell the truth. But let me just back up and tell you a few things. Not one word of anything that has come out of the entire multi-million dollar Mueller investigation has in any way proved that there, this, the original accusation which by the Democrats, which was that President Trump or his team somehow colluded with the Russians to impact the American election. 
nothing that is based in the entire statement, what uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn agreed to sign, to, to plead guilty, to say he had done these things. Nothing in there proves the basic allegation that gave rise to the entire Mueller investigation, this claim, which was really generated by the Democrats and Hillary in particular, Hillary Clinton, to cover up for the fact that she lost an election that everyone on the planet thought she was going to win. Maybe not everyone, but most people on the planet thought she was going to win. But this, I want to really go through um, why this, this, you know, arrest and, I mean, this pleading guilty by Lieutenant General Michael Flynn does not in any way change the fact that the original allegation has not been proven. There's no evidence of anyone being accused of anything. If anything, this charge against Lieutenant General Michael Flynn proves that Robert Mueller does not have anything on Trump or his team that relates to colluding with Russia about the election. As an example, if they had evidence that Michael Flynn had said, you know, in exchange for XYZ, Mr. Russian Ambassador, you know, we will do XYZ for you. If you give us information that you got by hacking into the DNC server, if you have Hillary's emails and you give us those, we'll give you this. Nothing like that happened. Nothing. And I, the reason this is so important is because you know, I always say this show is about standing off the unique, important, great idea that is America. What we are watching is a level of corruption in the Department of Justice and in the FBI that is permitting an ongoing investigation and a and, you know, President Trump uses the term witch hunt and people say they don't like that very much. But you this is a profoundly um not just unlawful, but un-American thing that's happening in Washington. The FBI, the DOJ are not cooperating with Congress. They are continuing to dig and dig and dig against President Trump. And we come back from the great break. I'll tell you more about the idea. You cannot have the America of our founding, the America we deserve to have, and a corrupt Department of Justice. Tell you more after the break. Don't go away. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. 
the Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Can you hear us now? And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I want to just give you a few little timeline items. And the reason this is so important is because this investigation by Robert Mueller, um, by the FBI, into whether Donald Trump allegedly colluded with the Russians, this is not a, you know, innocent fact-finding mission. This is an attempt by the powers that be in Washington, which you think would be the Republicans, but it's not. Um, this is a um, an attempt to undermine Trump's authority and legitimacy as a president, to try to move toward impeachment if they can, and it's an attempt to impact the 2018 elections for conservatives and Republicans who understand how sinister and wrong this investigation is and what is ongoing is required to fight back. I would like to see more Republicans on Capitol Hill fighting back and speaking up. But let me lay out a few timeline items just to be really clear. So we all know the election had occurred in November of 2016. So President Trump has been elected. He hasn't been sworn in yet, but he's been elected. He's president. So 
in December of that year, in December, so President Obama is still president. This is last year, a year ago now. President Obama, all this talk about, oh, that the only reason Hillary lost is the Russians and this, you know, this crazy kind of Russian, um, you know, uh, collusion, uh, Russian inv- uh, impact on the American elections and what they did and Trump was colluding with them, blah, blah, blah. So President Obama, in an attempt to punish the Russians for their uh, hacking into the DNC and for their interference in America's elections, tried to get a U.N. Security Council resolution condemning Russia. So this is on December 21st or 22nd. Obama's asking the U.N. to condemn Russia for interfering our elections. So just, but, you know, Trump's already been elected. And Obama's still president. December 29th, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn talks to the ambassador from Russia on behalf of the president. So the new, the new president's coming in. Flynn talks to this ambassador and says, you know, we don't agree with the sanctions, but, you know, just so you know, if you can, and his point obviously was, you know, we're going to have a new president in in January. We're just a month away from changing administrations. So he says to the ambassador, essentially, um, don't escalate this. Don't send sanctions back. Just cool your jets because we, we don't agree with these sanctions. Um, and he's uh, and this apparently that's if this all occurred was made with at the request of the Trump administration. So Trump's already been elected. He's actually allowed to communicate. And again, as I said in the opening five, if he isn't, you know, bribing or doing committing some crime, he's in fact not only permitted to communicate with uh, powers like Russia, but he has to do that to to begin to take charge of the country, to begin to lead the country in the direction he wants. So he's just telling this guy in Russia, hey, you know, we, we don't agree with the sanctions, but Obama's still president. So that conversation with the ambassador December 29th is a week or so later. And then on January 24th. So now President Trump is now President Trump. And Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is now the national security advisor. And that is the time, the day when he is talked to by the FBI and gives what he's now acknowledging are not true answers. But I want to tell you a couple of things about that. I mean, you should always tell the truth. I get that. You should always tell the truth. But I want to lay a few points down. Nothing that Flynn said in the conversation is illegal, immoral, unethical, unacceptable. Nothing. He was allowed to say those things on behalf of President Trump. Now, in this talking to the FBI, he apparently didn't want to own up to that for whatever reason. We'll never know. But he didn't want. But it it wasn't. The underlying thing was not illegal. And at that point, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn did not need to answer questions of the FBI at all. He didn't have to do it at all. He had no obligation. He wasn't being charged with a crime. And here's another little wrinkle to all this. The FBI had been surveilling the Russian agents and therefore already knew everything, everything, every conversation that happened between this ambassador and Flynn. They already knew no lie had been told. I mean, no crime had been committed. They knew from the way they, because they had been listening, they knew that the conversations that Flynn was having with the ambassador did not contain collusion, uh, you know, bribery, anything illegal. Nothing like that. They contained the exact things I just read to you. So the, the FBI, even though they knew nothing was wrong with those conversations, why are they asking Flynn questions? It was a gotcha effort because even though we have President Trump in place, we have the 
impenetrable deep state really in charge still in many agencies in Washington. And we had Flynn deciding he wasn't going to cooperate with these people and, and he lied to them. And there you go. But for all the gleeful people who think that somehow they've now got Trump, this is a, to quote a famous expression being used, a big fat nothing burger. This is not a crime. I mean, it's a crime to lie to the FBI. And, you know, if, if there's other things, if there are other things that will come out later, we'll see. But this is really important to understand. The FBI, in questioning Flynn, they already knew that nothing he had said to the ambassador was in any way gave evidence of collusion and all this crazy accusation. And the reason this matters is the whole purpose of Mueller's relentless and endless existence as a special prosecutor, special counsel, is to figure out if there's collusion between Trump and Russia. And they listen to the conversations, no evidence. And you got to know if they had picked up, you know, Flynn talking to anyone or anyone affiliated with Trump talking to anyone from Russia and had evidence of collusion, this would be what was charged. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. And so I'm just telling you, folks, this is going to fester throughout the year, this whole coming next year, till we get the 2018 elections. And you and every conservative and the conservatives in Washington need to be standing up and pointing out this Mueller investigation is out of control. And I could tell you a whole bunch of other things about it, but I want to turn to two of the little factoids before we get to our great guest tonight. Um, But on the ongoing notion that there is simply a failure to uphold the rule of law in the Department of Justice and the FBI, even today, not by Trump's people, but by the people who are still there from the previous administration, still pushing the left wing administration. And um, so I think there's a um, a. uh, A couple other facts to recognize how deeply, firmly and ardently the American left is fighting to destroy Trump via the FBI and the Department of Justice. Okay, here's one little thing. I'm going to get to the ABC guy who at least got a little bit of punishment. But there's a group in Washington called Judicial Watch, and they're just a fabulous group. And they just keep an eye, both parties, nonpartisan, but keep an eye on people in Washington. And they've been pressing and pressing and pressing about that famous meeting in June of 2016 on the tarmac between Loretta Lynch, then Attorney General, and Bill Clinton, then running to be first husband. You know, Hillary's running and he's, you know, married to her. So there's this meeting on the tarmac, a secret meeting, and it, it got out to the public. They had the secret meeting. And, on the, and this is at a time that Loretta Lynch is in charge. She's actually in charge of investigating Hillary Clinton and the email corruption, the email, you know, Hillary Clinton's fraudulent and felonious, you know, it, as in it was a felony to expose and endanger the uh, top top secret documents and information because of the email server she had. We have Loretta Lynch in charge of the investigation. Bill Clinton talks to her. A few days later, Loretta Lynch steps down from that. And all this time, the FBI has been saying, we don't have any documents. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, Judicial Watch finally got documents. In fact, there were documents relating to that meeting and how the FBI handled it. And you know what the entire purpose of the FBI's response to the question of what was discussed in this meeting by Bill Clinton and and Loretta Lynch. Within the FBI, the answer was, try to figure out how the news got out. Who's the leaker? Who told the media that this meeting occurred? 
because it was supposed to be secret. No one was supposed to know. Apparently, it was a police. It was a police officer who was in the detail protecting Clinton, getting him to the airport to get on the plane with Loretta Lynch. Is in Phoenix. But the point is, this notion. If you think, I, I know you might be listening, thinking, "Well, so what? Loretta Lynch is a Democrat. The Clintons are Democrats. Of course, they're colluding." This is the Attorney General, whose job it is to investigate crimes, who's meeting with and and the very uh, the very alleged criminal conduct she's investigating by Hillary Clinton, and she's got Bill Clinton coming and talking to her and obviously telling her what's what and what you're going to find and not find. Not obviously. That would be my speculation. And there was the FBI was not concerned about whether uh, uh, Attorney General uh, Loretta Lynch had acted inappropriately, was not concerned about whether or not um, Bill Clinton made an unlawful request. None of that mattered to them. The entire inquiry by the FBI was who's one that told people. And this is your tax dollars at work. Your tax dollars pay Loretta Lynch. And the FBI was saying all we really care about is protecting Hillary Clinton. We don't care about what was lawful, what was said, what should have been said, whether it had anything to do with that investigation. All we care about is trying to figure out who was the one who leaked this to the press. There's more to tell you about this, but we're going to have to jump. We're going to have a break coming up. Coming back from the break, I have a fabulous guest joining us. Actually, I, I met him in Dallas two days ago and pre-recorded this just two days ago. Sheriff David Clark of Milwaukee. Great guy. You'll love it. Don't go away. Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. As I mentioned before the break, we're so excited to have joining us Sheriff David Clark. And I think every conservative listening to the show knows who Sheriff David Clark is. But I want to just mention that his presence in the uh, campaign, the Republican presidential primary and in the campaign 2016 was just a source of real excitement for a lot of conservatives to hear a conservative rational voice um, coming from law enforcement, coming from Sheriff Clark. So here he is in Dallas. I just want to start by saying, so what are you doing these days, sir? Well, first of all, uh, hello to your listeners. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that uh, everybody might know me in the conservative circles. I think it's a good thing, but you know, I spent nearly four decades in law enforcement. I was uh, recently retired September 1st uh, as sheriff of Milwaukee County. Fifteen of those 40 year, nearly 40 years were spent as the sheriff of Milwaukee County. Started in urban policing in the Milwaukee Police Department, spent 24 years there. And I just got to a point where I started looking out over the landscape of my entire life and, and realized there was more uh, after law enforcement that I had uh, put in a good amount of time fought the good fight. It was time to move on and, and seek out some new ventures, and that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, I have a private sector enterprise that I started, DAC Enterprises. matter of fact, you can go to dacenterprises.org and uh, take a look at uh, the, the new website that's up now. And what I'm doing is I'm going all over the country. It's one of the reasons I'm in Dallas today. Love Texas, by the way. God bless Texas. And, um, um, you know, promoting the Trump agenda, the Trump vision to make America great again, the Trump policies on behalf of America First uh, PAC, and there's an America First uh, policy branch too. So I'm a senior advisor and spokesperson for that, and I'm also working with a D.C. think tank. Uh, some of your listeners may know them, the Capital Research Center, and I'm working on policy issues that are important, not just to me, but to many Americans, things like uh, education, 
uh, education reform, school choice, school you know charters, uh, things like crime uh, policies like that. Doing research and uh, writing, you can follow me at Town Hall. Uh, it's a site that I'm a contributing editor to, or contributing writer to, I should say, and also thehill.com. Well, that must be, keep you pretty darn busy. I did want to go back and ask, I think I recall that when, right after President Trump was elected, you had spoken with him about possibility, possibly joining the Homeland Security team and maybe looked at that and then stepped away. So did you, why did you feel, if that's accurate, why did you feel like it was better not to be part of the administration formally? Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there, so let me unpack this quickly. Um, when I decided to support Donald Trump to become the 45th president of the United States, it was on behalf of this republic, this great country of ours, that I thought we were uh, becoming, uh, we were getting too far away from the Constitution, too far away from our, our founding principles, freedom, liberty, uh, the rule of law, and, you know, Western culture, uh, America's greatness. And we were, we were heading to this, I thought, a real dark place, that the left, the hard left, was pushing us toward socialism and so on. I looked over the field, and I thought there was only one individual on either side because the rest of them, for the most part, other than Carly Fiorina, are career politicians. And when you elect a career politician, you're going to get political behavior, and that's what's gotten us to this mess that we're in today with $20 trillion in debt, uh, sluggish economy, and those sorts of things. So uh, Donald Trump approached me and uh, asked for my help, and I said, you know, I'm going to wait until the— the primary is over. I want the voters to decide who the Republican nominee would be. And I said, um, uh, whoever that is, I'm going to be 100 percent behind and I'm going to fight like hell to make sure they get elected president. And I told him this. I said, but you're going to win this thing on, on the GOP side. Sure as heck he did. And then he came back around. He circled back. He said, Sheriff, uh, I'd like your support. I said, I'm a man of my word. I gave you my word. So I don't know what I can do for you, but put me in the trenches. There was never a quid pro quo. I wasn't looking for a job. I had a job. I had a great job as sheriff of Milwaukee County. I just wanted to help this republic. So he got elected. And But I always said this as well. If the president calls on you to serve, you step up and serve. And uh, so this, this uh, Department of Homeland Security assistant secretary job came up. Uh, I took a look at that and thought long and hard. And the more I thought about it, I felt I was going to be buried, not by the president, by the way, but by the bureaucracy. I was going to get buried deep within a bureaucracy, and I wanted to be out front to be able to do some of the heavy lifting. And, and when you get buried inside a bureaucracy, you get lost. Your voice gets lost. Everything that you want to do has to be vetted. you got to send it up the flagpole. And, and I'm, I, I like to speak my mind. I like to do things at my pace. I want to say it how I want to say it, not have to have some somebody vet it and say, well, you know, this is a little too, too, too dangerous to say this kind of stuff because as people know, I don't sugarcoat anything. Um, I say what I mean, I mean what I say, and whenever I say something, you can take it to the back. You, you will rarely, if ever, I don't know that I've ever had to walk anything back because I think about what I'm going to say, what I'm going to write, and some of it is, uh, you know, lightning rod. There's no doubt about that, but the fact is when I say it, then that means... Uh, that's what I want to do. So I thought about it, and I, I went back to the president, and, and I said, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the best position for me to help you. And, and in that conversation, he said, you know what, I think you're right. We'll find another spot for you. They looked for some other spots, and then the decision came, uh, with the president's blessing, by the way, uh, that I should join the outside army. It's too restrictive inside. When you're in a government position, in an administration, it's very restrictive. And I didn't want that. I just came out of a, 
you know, government, uh, uh, you know, the sheriff of Milwaukee County. Even though you have a lot of independence, you're still within within government. So he gave his blessing, and that's why I joined America First uh, PAC and then the uh, Conservative Research Center as well. So it worked out best for everybody. Uh, I'm in a better position to fight for Trump in a style that I I like to fight. You know, I play smash mouth politics. And uh, it kind of, you know, parallels the way that uh, the president approaches politics as well. So it's a good fit for everybody, and I'm real happy. I love hearing this. I follow your Twitter feed, which I really encourage our listeners to do. It, I mean, I love Twitter. I love the directness of the conversation. I love President Trump using Twitter. Let's start with on Twitter. Do you think President Trump, on balance, is helping himself with his Twitter feed? Or are you one of the ones who says he should tone it back? What do you think about that? No, first of all, <laughs> I make this very clear. Um, I don't tell a president what to do. However, I have my thoughts on it. I'm glad he's doing what he's doing with social media. It's allowing him to get around the mainstream media. It's allowing him to get his message out unfiltered uh, by the, the, the liberal media who's against him. And uh, that's what I like about uh, Twitter as well, and that's what I like about being outside the administration. Um, it, it just allows you more freedom and flexibility. So now he's able to take his message straight to the voters. I mean, my gosh, he's got 37 million followers that he can get instantaneously a message to to help organize, to help mobilize, to help energize his base. He's very effective with it, and I think the people who uh, wish he would tone it back or wish he would uh, leave the the uh, uh, Twittering alone, they're either not good at it or they're mad that he is and he's killing them with it. You know, it's an interesting thing. There was a column last week. I guess Maureen Dowd, once a week, allows her Republican brother to write her column. And one of the hits he made was making the point that Donald Trump has, whatever the number of million Twitter followers, 37, whatever it is, and the New York Times that complains about his Twitter and his tweeting has something like 3.1 million subscribers. <laughs> it was a very, very funny column because I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly on Twitter, especially when you're trying to overcome the media effort to paint you in a bad light and to twist what you say, misrepresent your motives. I, I'm thrilled, too, with his Twitter feed. So onto your Twitter feed, you commented recently about the NFL uh, players, the ongoing national anthem protest. And, you know, I have heard, I've actually been on panels and on political panels talking about this issue. What is your sense of whether the uh, NFL is succeeding in sending any serious message uh, by these players? Or what's, your, what's your reaction to the NFL national anthem protest? I think it's a bunch of buffoonery. Um, look, these are professional athletes. They're good at what they do. Uh, they have a special skill. They put that on display. We like to watch that. I want to watch the NFL to see their athleticism rise up, come out, and be on display. I don't want to uh, watch the NFL and hear about their political views. It's not that they can't express them. Not on the football field. Gosh darn it you got six days during the week that you can go out into the community and spew your political views, so on and so forth, and I encourage that, but I don't encourage them to use the platform that they are. And, and we can see by the ratings and the fans uh, uh, bailing out that they're hurting themselves. Many of them do not have a command of the issues when they talk about, uh, you know, we're here to protest the, the uh, discrimination and the, the inequality in America. And I always say, where? I say, look, you're making... X amount of million dollars a year for basically playing a kid's game, and you want to talk about inequality? What's, what's unequal about that is that law enforcement officers, firefighters, teachers, and other professionals, doctors, go to work every day. They're saving lives. They're contributing to the 
a quality of life in a neighborhood, and they get you know one tenth of, of of what these professional athletes make. And I don't begrudge them with the money that they're making, but I say if there's anything unequal, it's that. But they don't seem to have a problem with that. I don't see them giving into their money away to um, to help the betterment of people, uh, you know, kids, education, scholarships, that sort of thing, community groups. You don't really see it. If you're hearing the background noise, folks, we're reviewing, we're doing this wonderful interview in a hotel lobby where other people seem to think they have the right to speak. So uh, sorry about a little bit of background noise, but I'm so excited to be talking to Sheriff David Clark. We have to come up on a break because we have these hard breaks. When we come back, I want to ask a few more questions about his view on how the Trump administration is doing. This is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. Don't go away. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. We're picking up the interview again with Sheriff David Clark. He was a gentleman who was a sheriff in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for 20 plus years. And he is um, also, uh, I pre-recorded him this week, and here he comes, rest of the interview. And again, welcome back to America Can We Talk. We're continuing our conversation with Sheriff David Clark. And uh, just thrilled that he happens to be in Dallas visiting. So you were a supporter after you were talking before the break, after uh, the primary ended and Donald Trump had the Republican nomination, you really became a strong supporter of his. And and you alluded to some of the reasons of the kind of things he was describing and and standing up for in his campaign. But so here we are now. We are in uh, November. Actually, we're in December now of 2017. And he's been in almost a year. So what do you now think the big issues are facing America and how is he doing handling them? Sure, and this is what I think that uh, President Trump uh, has a handle on. He understands what's important to everyday Americans. Look, the people on either coast, they might be good people, left coast, the right coast, the west coast, east coast, but they're totally disconnected from America's heartland. Okay, the flyover states, they like to call them, middle America. But those are the hardworking men and women. That represents the middle class. They're not the elites like on the coast. And here's what's important to them. They want to make sure that they can find a good-paying job to support their family. They want good schools to send their kids to. They want safe neighborhoods. They want a safe country, all right? Donald Trump understands that. And those are the themes that he hit on during the campaign. I mean, if you recall, in very simple language, Donald Trump has a way, President Trump, of resonating with people. You know, how simple is make America great again? How simple is build that wall, right? I mean, things like this, um, put America first. People understand that. They can, um, they can see it. Uh, when you talk about vision, they can see America uh, being great again like it was in the past. So I think the economy is important. Like I said, people want to um, uh, be able to find uh, uh, jobs that they can support their families. This economy has been sluggish over the last 8 to 10 years. It's picking up again just with the election of Donald Trump. They've got to get tax reform done because I think tax reform is going to unleash this economy and you're going to really see it grow. Uh, I think that the immigration issue is here to stay. It's not going away. Texas, okay, is, 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 is well familiar with that, being a border state. The importance of, uh, of our immigration laws, the importance of protecting our borders. Look, the United States is a sovereign nation. If you're going to be a sovereign nation, you have to have borders. You have to be willing to protect those borders. The United States has, has done a horrible job basically paid lip service to protecting this border. Look at some of the stuff going, getting through the border. Or the illegal drugs are coming through the border. Um, gang members are coming through the border. 
illegal weapons are coming through the border. Uh, border agents have been killed. Uh, farmers that live along the border are, are living in fear. Uh, our border is not secure. I don't care what uh, Bill Clinton said when he was president. I don't care what uh, George W. Bush said. I don't care what Barack Obama said. Every American knows this border is not secure. And, and the only evidence you really need is to look at every look at these guys who are coming back into the country and you look and they've been deported five, six, seven, eight times. That means the border is not secure. So you feel it's interesting because I agree with all those issues. I think that's what drove people to come around to President Trump and to really just those massive rallies and the enthusiasm and the passion. Do you think that he gets sufficient support from the Republicans in the House and Senate? Are they backing him and his agenda or is he, do you feel like he's more kind of doing it on his own? Oh, he's doing it on his own. Look, the, the people that you mentioned, that's the political class. All right. That's the media elites. That's the uh, political elites. Uh, big donors, things like that, uh, they're giving him no help. And that includes on the GOP side. Look, I don't care what lip service they're paying, people like Mitch McConnell, uh, Paul Ryan, and others. The fact is, the reality is, uh, they don't want this guy to succeed. So, uh, you know, President Trump has come from the outside. He writes his own rules. Okay, he doesn't play by anybody's, and I love that about him, he doesn't play by anybody's rule book. He comes in, he smashes tables, okay? He, he says, I'm going to rewrite this rule book. And it's worked for him all, all throughout his life. So he's kind of doing this on his own, which is why I think it's nothing short of, of, of a, a miracle that he's been able to accomplish as much as he had in his first year uh, with very little help from inside the Beltway. I couldn't agree more. And you know what's an interest, I, with everything you said? It's a really interesting thing to watch because I think that when Donald Trump got started in the campaign, there were many traditional Republicans who even like some of his messages and like some of his themes, but they wanted someone they thought was more traditional. They could comprehend. They could, you know, they could relate to. And he doesn't speak in terms that politicians normally do. He doesn't have a, he doesn't do political speak, but he, but I think it made people nervous. And I actually will say, the, I'm going to get onto a question, which is, I do feel like I feel a shift even among traditional Republicans who thought, I, I'm nervous about this guy. I want someone I can relate to better. But I think they're starting to see a, a resurgence, even among traditional Republican voters, saying, wait a minute, Donald Trump is doing what the Republican Party always said they would do. And I think that he's gaining support among people who maybe were nervous about him. Do you sense that in, about him? Oh, exactly. You know, and, and basically, you know, Donald Trump, he's not an insider. He's not one of them. Those swamp creatures, as he likes to say. It's another one of those drain the swamp, right? Um, like I said, he writes his own rules. He's re- rewriting the, the book on being the president of the United States. Um, that scares people who've been in this business for such a long time because it's the only way they know. And so they're, they're, there's a fear of the unknown or learning a new way. Uh, and so they don't like that. But Donald Trump, President Trump, op- operates from a premise of be not afraid. Okay, go in there, challenge prevailing orthodoxies challenge do- existing dogma and every time you tell donald trump well it's supposed to be this way done this way in in washington dc and you hear that a lot well in washington dc it's done this way or it's been and he goes i don't have to follow those rules uh, and when you say you can't do this he shouldn't be on twitter he goes why not you know he challenges all these things and i think americans like that because america's always been challenged as a country and we've always stepped up and we've answered those challenges uh, so, you know, I think the big thing, uh, important thing for President Trump uh, moving ahead is just to um, stay on track. OK, don't get discouraged. 
and keep the base energized and motivated, which he's doing a tremendous job. I love when he goes out and does a campaign-type rally. You know, no matter what the state is, 20,000 show up. They wait in line all day to get in. You've got to keep your base um, uh, energized and, and, and mobilized. He does a great job of that. Uh, I think it's too early to start talking about 2020. See, that's what they do in Washington, right? They're already talking about the 2020. Uh, you know, I'm worried about 2018, and I don't mean the midterm elections. I mean January 1st. 2018. I think we get too far ahead of ourselves sometimes, and everything in politics changes by the moment. You know, what we think is important today, all of a sudden there's a terror attack, or there's this, or there's that, and next thing you know, that becomes the important thing. So I try not to, to outthink or outguess what's going to be the next important issue. I say, let's look at what's in front of us right now, and right now it's tax reform, and I say, let's get this damn thing done. Amen to that. I was smiling as you were speaking because I have read many people when Donald Trump does these, he's been elected, he is the president, and he does these campaign style rallies. It just made, I'm smiling thinking about it. And I'm, it's also funny because you will hear people in the media, it's kind of, you can hear the hand wringing and what they're saying or writing. This is inappropriate. He's already president. He shouldn't be campaigning. And he's just saying, hey, I want my voters to know I'm still me. I'm still who I ran on and I'm still here for you. I think he is just brilliant doing that. And he is. He's changing the rule book. Okay. So you mentioned at the start, I want to make sure you get a chance to plug again. You have a new, and you can add the comment too, but I want you to tell our listeners again about what your, your new, uh, the website is and what you're going to be doing with it. But you look like there's something else you wanted to say first. Sure. Um, well, you know, I'm on a mission, like I said, to save this Republic. And I know it's, it's I can't do it myself, but I'm going to do the, the, uh, uh, the frontline fighting, if you will. I'm a foot soldier. Um, I look at everything that America's offered me, and I want to make sure that the people coming up after me have those same opportunities because it's the same country, you know, that has those values that are near and dear to us, the Constitution, the rule of law. Uh, look, you know, we, we each get our turn. Every generation gets their turn, right? And you do what you can to take what was handed to you and try to make it better for the next generation. And I'm, I'm a little worried about, you know, just $20 trillion in debt um, if, if we're going to actually be doing that for the next generation. So uh, that's what I'm going to continue to do now. It's a mission right now, and it's fun. It really is. I meet so many great Americans. You know, I've been to Texas probably uh, three or four times in the last year um, all across this country. I think I'm up to, I've been in 39 states over the last two years. Meet great Americans of all walks of life in rural areas, some of the most rural areas of this country. And But you know what? I see what America, uh, what really makes America great is its people. It's its hardworking people, middle class, even, you know, lower middle class people that just, you know, grind it out uh, against the odds, keep working hard, make it better for their kids, you know, and, and, and move this thing on. And, uh, but we need messengers. See, I'm a messenger now. I'm asked to be, I said I'm a foot soldier, but now I'm asked to be a general in, in this mission and uh, message. And messaging is important, I think, because if you message correctly, you can control the narrative. And if you can control the narrative, you really can control the policies and you can start to control the, the bureaucrats and what goes on inside the, the beltway. Okay, I do want to have you talk about your DAC Enterprises, but before you do that, I want to tell our listeners, this is the point I'm always making. He's talking about being a messenger, but every one of you are. If you hear the news and you hear people saying, oh, Donald Trump is something really terrible today, and you know what the facts are, you know it's actually a brilliant thing he said or a brilliant thing he did, part of being a patriot is to tell your friends, tell your family, be the one person in your network of friends who says, actually, here's what the facts are. Here's, of course, why he said this, or he didn't say that, because every single person has tremendous power, if you will, speak up. 
You're nodding along. I hope you love that because I say this all the time to our listeners. You have to be the messenger too. You know, you get it. I get it. Many of your listeners get it. It's the uh, uh, the elites in this country that don't get it. They're totally disconnected. But you're right. Uh, this is a grassroots effort. This country belongs to we the people. I know the bureaucrats and the elites think it belongs to them, but it belongs to we the people. And I'm talking about the people in middle America and even the people on the coast. They're not all uh, elites, but at the same time, uh, you know, the heartland is, is, is really what I believe uh, makes this country go. So, yeah, follow me at uh, dacenterprises.org. Check out the website. You can keep up with uh, events. I'll be Maybe I'll be coming to uh, somebody else's hometown for an event. Uh, you can find the things that I'm writing about, things that I'm speaking on. Some of my speeches are up there. And uh, also I had a book come out in February, Cop Under Fire. Okay, and I encourage people, coming up on Christmas, make it a stocking stuffer. Cop Under Fire, uh, beyond the hashtags of race, crime, and politics for a better America. It's available at Amazon.com. I found it today on Amazon. It is a great book, and we're almost out of time. But quick, your Twitter handle is? At Sheriff Clark, and that's C-L-A-R-K-E. And I got the uh, the blue certification because there's some fraud ones out there, so make sure it's the one with the blue check mark. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Come back after the break. Folks, I must tell you, that was among the most fun interviews. He was uh, just fun to talk to. He had his assistant there with him. He was in town for a speech of some kind, met him in the hotel. He was full of just, you know, he's a, a law enforcement guy. He's a big, tall, you, uh, kind of imposing black man, and as gentle and kind and loving of this country you could ever, ever ask for. After the break, I'll tell you a little bit more. <laughs> 